He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be saved. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with the program with us once again. We're in the book of First Peter, the 13th, 14th verse. Actually, for the last couple of days, we can't seem to get out of that verse because it is so important to what is going on today. The verse. 13 of the second chapter of 1 Peter says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, to commend those who do right. Now, our government now has flip-flopped. We are now, evil is looked at as good and good as evil. And so now he, our government is no longer uh, doing right by those who do good, but they are punishing uh, those who do good and doing right by those who do evil. I want to read to you and see if this does not sound like America. I just, I, you know, we read this, we've read this verse a couple of times in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, the twentieth verse. We've read the verse and then we've stopped there. Now I want you to listen to the rest of this and see if it does not sound like uh, the America that we live in today. Verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now listen to these scriptures. Verse 21, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks, who acquit the guilty for a bribe, who deny justice to the innocent, Therefore, as tongues of fire lick up the straw, and as dry grass sinks down into the flames, so their roots will decay, and their flowers blow away like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty, and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. Is that not what we're talking about? This this word that we're looking at for first peter again like i am talking like i've been saying you this has to be put into context and god now describes what i just said in isaiah the chapter 5 he described that describes america i think to the t and it says basically that we are not to obey those laws that are against god because he said for they have rejected the law of the of the lord almighty well, that's exactly what's going on today. We have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty. Daniel was told not to pray, and he prayed anyway. We were told not to pray, and we didn't. We stopped praying. We were told not to pray in school, so what did we do? We stopped praying. If Daniel had stopped praying, well, well number one, he wouldn't have been thrown into the lion's den, and all would have been good, but it would have been in danger of his soul because he would not have been obedient to God, which proves if he's not obedient to God, it would have proved that Daniel was not a true servant of God. And so if you're not obedient to God, it proves that you're not a true servant of God. 
the obedience must follow. We're, We're talking about works again. We talk about that periodically. While I don't believe it's works that saves you, if you get saved, you will do works. If you're not doing works, are you saved? And I believe the answer to that is no. You are not saved if you're not doing works. That's the bottom line. I know that sounds awful harsh. And you might be sitting there looking, you know, well, who are you to say it? Well, I'm just telling you what the Word says. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. I just tell the Word. And if you think I'm pointing to you, well, the good news is, I don't even know who's listening to this. So while you might go to your church and the pastor preaches a message you don't like and you storm up there and say, how dare you preach a message to me in front of all these people and they they know you're talking about me, you can't say that about me because I don't know who's listening. And so if you're feeling something about this message, then it's the Holy Spirit talking to you directly. Are you doing what God has commanded you to do? Are you obeying his commandments? Do you know God? Well, and on that note, if you are feeling convicted, then that's a good sign. It means the Holy Spirit is working in your life, convicting you of possibly something that is going on in your life. If you're a Christian, you're going to feel a conviction for sin. If you're not a Christian, you're not going to feel that conviction. So feeling a conviction is a good thing if you're a Christian, because that means the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Now, I want to go back to what you were talking about in Isaiah 5.20 real quick. That Most of that chapter talks about woes and judgments. And if people kind of try to brush off that verse, just look at verse 30 about what will happen to a nation that does accept those. In verse 30, it says, In that day... They will roar over it, which is talking about invaders, like the roaring of a sea. And if one looks at the land, there is only darkness and distress. Even the sun will be darkened by clouds. Does that not sound like some things that are happening in America with natural disasters? I mean, we can just look back to Houston. I know a lot of people will criticize us for this, but if you look at what Houston has become... They become a haven for abortion. One of the largest, if not the largest, Planned Parenthood butcher factory is in Houston. They are openly homosexually supportive. To me, God's judgment came on Houston because of what they have accepted there. And this is what, you can look at this last verse, the judgment sounds like it came on Houston. There are other Things that have happened. New Orleans, if we look back years ago, Katrina, what it did to New Orleans. God is giving us signs of how to live. And if we don't, he will bring his judgment upon us. And if we look at what is going on today in politics, we have Judge Roy, or former Judge Roy Moore in Alabama, who when he was a sitting judge, told his county clerks, not to issue marriage licenses to homosexual couples attempting to get married. And this created a big uproar because of what the Supreme Court said. Well, the reason he stood his ground is not solely on religious principles, but because the Alabama state constitution says marriage is between a man and a woman. So he was 
actually abiding by the law of his state, which was contrary to what nationally was accepted. So him being a Christian, which I fully believe because of other stances he's taken, he was obeying God and his local government. So he, and that's the reason, they they removed him from office twice, and he co- kept getting re reelected, and now he's running for the U.S. Senate. So I would say every Christian in Alabama, at least, because you can vote for him, you need to support former Judge Roy Moore because he is solidly on biblical principles. And ironically, now they've removed Judge Roy Moore twice, okay? Now he's running for the Senate. And I pray, and he may get it, actually, because, I mean, he's standing on those conservative principles that most of America still embraces. But... What ironically, doesn't that sound a little bit like Joseph? I mean, Joseph, of course, you could say he was thrown out of office twice, right? He was thrown down in a well by his brothers. Then he was sold into slavery. Then he went to prison for a, for a uh, crime he didn't commit, only so God could set him up to be second in the land only to Pharaoh. So he was the most powerful man in Egypt aside from Pharaoh. And so... Uh, ironically, that's just how God works. If you will stand for him, in fact, the word Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 3, the uh, 11th verse says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So uh, piggybacking a little bit off of what you said way back there is that, look, if you are being disciplined, really you should rejoice because that means God loves you. If you're not being disciplined or if these scriptures do not hit you in the heart, then maybe you don't know the Lord. If he has not disciplined you at all, then it's like, well, maybe I don't even know the Lord. If I'm doing wrong and there's no discipline, then that means I don't know the Lord because he, he loves. Let me state real quickly. God loves all of his creation. But there's a special love that he has for his children who have accepted him. He's waiting for those of you who have not accepted him to accept him. But there's a special love he has for his own children. You might even put it in, you know, I, I truly love all children. I see them and, and, you know, a lot of they're just cute and a lot of them are just sweet and I love them. But, you know, it's nothing like my children that, that who call me daddy. Call me grandpa. They're my children. We have a special relationship. Now, I know that's that's a, just a real physical description, but that's really what it is with God and his child, close children, whom he calls children of God, who are his children. Now, also, I know we talk about if you are being persecuted for his sake, then that's a good thing. But you don't always want to be persecuted. God will encourage you. He will give you success as long as you're following him. So if you're, as a Christian, if you're being successful, be thankful in the good times so that when the hard times come, you will be strengthened knowing that there will be good times ahead also. And, and also don't, don't look, try to be persecuted. Right. You know, that's, some people actually try to be persecuted and it's really more, that's kind of a, a look at me. I can be persecuted for God. That's not honoring God either. That's honoring your flesh. Well, it's the whole attention mentality. Exactly. I do things for attention. Right. You shouldn't you shouldn't be a Christian for attention. 
Because you're not doing it for yourself. That's you're doing right. it for God. That's why the Bible says live humble, quiet lives. If you can accomplish God's task and do it peacefully and humbly and quietly, then that's the way it should be. We should be able to be Christians without having to make a statement about ourselves. Now, if you look at someone like Judge Moore, he's not seeking attention. Attention is finding him. He was going to do all these things, whether he got public attention or not. He issued all these. He didn't go before the newspaper and say, I'm going to tell my clerks not to do this. He just did it. And it was the world that drew the attention to him, which is fine because now we're able to talk about him and support him. If all this would have happened and the news, the, the worldly news wouldn't have picked up on it, we might not have known about it. But I believe God uses the world to help promote his own people. So in, in Judge Moore's sake, we found out about him and I contacted his, his office and let him know that we are supporting him. The radio station is supporting him. We're going to talk about him. So anybody that's listening to this in Alabama, I would say go out, tell your friends about it. If they don't know about him or what he's done, you need to stir up the support in Alabama. And those of us that live outside of Alabama, we can still contact his office to encourage him, letting him know that we are supporting him. Absolutely. So you know, there, it depends on, on you. Is What are you going to do? With what God has given you, He's giving us He's given uh, us a platform here at His Gospel Power, but He's also given you a platform as well. What are you going to do with your platform? Your platform might just be that you go to work and you talk to your friends at work. So, are you going to when they start talking about illegal things like homosexuality and and abortion, prayer in schools? Are you going to agree with them? Or are you going to stand up for God? That that's the bottom line. What are you going to do with it? Well, let's continue with our scripture in 1 Peter, the uh, second chapter. Let's get into the 15th verse. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. And, and so another, if you are doing what is right, then you are going to silence the foolish talk. Because even, even those who are standing up basically against the law. I mean, let's just, let's just say it right now. Even though truly... Legally, it is not the law of the land for homosexual marriage, but still those in authority are calling it that, even though it has not been done correctly, it was done illegally, uh, it is now, they're calling it the law of the land. If you stand against that and you continue to do it what's right, now, so what, do you, what am I talking about? What am I talking about doing what's right? I'm talking about you don't go out shooting a bunch of people just to try to prove your point. You don't go out and do evil for the Lord. Cause see, that does not, that, that's, that's not, that's an oxymoron. That doesn't even work. The, the ones who are doing evil and calling it good are Satan, are, are those of Satan. The ones who are living for God and calling it good are the ones that are living according to His Word, standing on your principles and doing what God has told you to do but not committing evil to prove a point. This man, uh, I've talked about the pentagram that's being raised in Florida. He's really just doing this to prove a point because he's so much against the nativity scene. Although, why? It doesn't, it's kind of, if you don't believe in God, that's just a bunch of dolls out there. It, it, 
You know, there's a lot of people who don't believe in Santa Claus, but they sure put up stuff about him all the time and nobody says anything, right? And Santa Claus is just a figment of everybody's imagination. So so there's lots of people who don't believe in Santa Claus, but nothing's really said. But the nativity scene, however, it really means something. And, that, and Satan knows it. And, of course, that man that's doing it, he is actually now, he's trying to make a statement by putting something up just totally against that, and and instead of standing on his own principles of himself calling himself an atheist and just saying, you know what, none of it bothers me because none of it exists anyway. So the the ignorance that he is purporting is something that we should not do as Christians. We must stand on the word of God and speak wisdom. I think a good example of this verse is we can talk about abortion. For it's God's will that by doing good you should silence ignorant talk. It's not God's will that we go and blow up abortion clinics to stop abortion. You're just compounding right, a exactly. problem. You're committing a crime, possibly hurting or killing people, to stop something that is immoral. What we should be doing is the good here. Present the evidence on how unborn children are alive how they can survive outside the womb in certain stages. Present the evidence. Stand up for what's right. It it always baffles me when they talk about, oh, it, it's not a child until it's born. Well, what's the, and for the sake of argument, this is what I tell them, what is the earliest a child can survive outside of the womb? And some have said, you know, four or five months, scientifically, they have. So I use that argument against him. So a four or five month old that comes out of the womb is at that point a child. But if it's still in the womb, it's not a child? Well, no. Well, how does that make any sense? Because in two seconds, it goes from not being a child to being a child. And they just, they have no argument for that. Because what is the difference if it's breathing air or still surviving off its mother? If it can survive either way, then at what point does it become a child? And when you present good arguments like that with them, it dumbfounds them. And I, I believe that's what this verse is talking about. Use facts and knowledge to confuse them to the point they can't argue with truth. And, and how do you do that? Some of you might even be saying... Well, I'm not equipped to do that. I don't have the education to do that. Yes, you do. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that resides within you. If you will open your mouth, God will fill your mouth with his words. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he requires that we open our mouths for him. We, we are to proclaim God. If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so you don't have the right to say, well, I don't know enough to open my mouth. Yes, you do. You don't even have to know because the Holy Spirit, when you begin to talk, will place those things in your mouth. There have been many times when I have finished speaking and I'm like, you know what? I don't even know if I knew that stuff. It was just coming out. It was just coming out of me. It wouldn't stop. And sometimes I've even gone back and researched some of the stuff I said to make sure it was correct, because I want to stand on truth. I don't want to be. Uh, there, it doesn't do you any good to make things up. You'll be caught on that. And in fact, you can bet if you're making them up, that's not of the Holy Spirit. What's of the Holy Spirit is when you are speaking truth, 
then you will confound those who are accepting the lie. And then they will eventually accept the truth because you are now speaking the truth in a way, such a way that they understand it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit speaks through you. Why? Because you opened your mouth. That's all there is to it. God is not going to allow you to embarrass yourself if you're doing his will because that doesn't serve his will. So if you're truly in God's will, he's going to give you the tools and the resources that you need to be effective. God is not a God of confusion. That's Satan's role. He confuses people so that they don't know the truth, so they'll be willing to accept whatever they throw at them. As Christians, God wants us to be productive. He doesn't want us to be confused. So if you are approaching a subject in his will, he's going to give you the right things to say. And here again, now, as we continue in this scripture, here again, we're going to look like it's going to, this is America again. Just start putting this into perspective of what we are seeing in America and decide who is now in charge of America. Is it God or is it Satan? And I'm going to tell you, I believe it's Satan to a large degree because God's people will not speak up. Now, I believe in the White House, we have a man who will speak up and is speaking up for truth. Whether he's saved or not, I've had those who are close to him that I know that have said that he is, and I have to take that for for uh, the gospel because I don't know for sure. But one way or the other, I do know that, that when a man gets up in his authority and prays to God, that's something that has not happened in a long time. But now he is doing that. So, But the rest of the country is embracing satan- satanic principles. And so we are seeing that more and more and more. Listen to this verse 16. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Now, are we seeing that today or aren't we? And in fact, I'm going to, a good example of that is that satanic pentagram that's being put up. Using his freedom as a launching pad, a cover-up for evil. He is purporting evil because he is free and he has the freedom to do it. Well, God tells us, don't do the same thing. Don't fall into that trap. When you are call yourselves free, make sure that you are using your freedom for God. It says, and then that rest of that verse is, live as servants of God. So if you are living as servants of God, you are free. But don't use your freedom to cover up any kind of evil. Now, I want to take it one step further. Let, God forbid, but it, boy, it looks like it's coming down the pike. But there are, there are people who are listening to this message today around the world that have lost, that maybe never had any freedoms, don't know what it's like to be free and or losing their freedoms. One of the two. Well, Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, we're called to be free. Oh, did you get that? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. It doesn't matter the physical state you find yourselves in. You are free in the spirit. You are free to proclaim Jesus. You are free to stand in power. You are free to pro- proclaim the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And of course, finishing that scripture, it says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. So we are called as Christians to be free. It doesn't matter the state that we find ourselves in. Freedom is not a physical state. Freedom is what is granted to us by God to live in freedom and peace. The peace of God that passes understanding, no matter where you find yourself physically. Yes, and with that verse, I think that goes to saying that by claiming you're a Christian, you can't use that to commit sin to justify and say it's God's will. Going back to the the abortion clinic we were talking about. You can't say, well, I'm doing this as a Christian, so it's okay to commit this crime because it's for God. You can't, you can't do that because it's not God's will that you sin to try to claim it's for him. Because that's contrary to his will in scripture. And there's, a, there's another aspect here. And since we're in the holiday season of Halloween, and a lot of, I, I use this term loosely, Christians like to celebrate Halloween, which I don't know how you do that. I posted this to Facebook the other day, and if anybody wants to go on and put their comments on it, there are plenty already. And I was thinking about this, and I, I thought, why do pagans look at Christians weird when we say we don't celebrate Halloween? And I, I actually had this happen to me, and that's what inspired me to write this. Shouldn't pagans look at us weird when we say we do celebrate Halloween? Because as Christians, Halloween is contrary to Christian principles. And where I got a lot of backlash was, what is Halloween? It's practicing magic, the magic arts. If you look at something as simple as trick or treat, basically you're saying, if you don't give me something, I'm going to put a curse on you. That's right. So if we look at Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice the magic arts... The idolaters and all liars will be confined, consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So as Christians or believers, if you're going out and taking your children out and going trick-or-treating, you are practicing magic arts because you're telling your child, whether they really know it or not, to practice witchcraft against people if they don't give them something. And I I tell people flat out, if you are going out trick-or-treating, you are not living a Christian lifestyle because you're promoting Satanism. And in fact, that goes into really every single aspect of all the holidays, if you think about it, even Christmas. You know, I'm not big on Santa Claus. I think, you know, for years, I have not told my children that they're Santa Claus. And of course, if you're listening to this and your your children are listening maybe you're mad at me now because now i've revealed that there is no santa claus well why why do i want to to purport that as a lie why do i i want to tell i want to tell the truth and the season is not about santa claus and the season is not about christmas trees either and the season is not about anything other than christ and so, and, and of course, we can get into a whole long line of that. It wasn't even about Christ, but yes, it was. It actually started, uh, but before that, well, that's going to have to be a whole other program because that will be, 
That that could be days that we are studying about Christmas. And as we get closer to Christmas, we might. Now, I don't want you to think that we're putting the water, pouring water on all of your holidays. Number one, Halloween's not a holy day. Okay? That's what holiday is. A holy day. If you're celebrating the devil and you're celebrating death and you're celebrating vampires and you're celebrating werewolves and you're celebrating all that junk that Satan runs around doing then that is not a holy day. That's an unholy day. Okay? So that holiday means holy day. So we are now into the the holidays after we get past after we get past um, uh, Halloween, then we will be in the holidays, the holy days, because I believe Thanksgiving is a holy day because we're giving thanks to God. Now, I want to finish this scripture in Galatians real quick. That it says 514, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other to say that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, as Brother Ron was talking about, when we embrace the things of the world, this is the danger that Satan has brought into the church. It made it, think about this. Now, just think about the progression. As Halloween has embraced, been embraced in the church, and then, when all the other things began to come in, adultery in the church was embraced, and uh, the uh, an abortion was embraced in some churches, and homosexuality was embraced in some churches. As we embrace one sin, it allows the door to be open to embrace all other sins. And before you know it, you are not following God at all, but you are following Satan. And so I just want you, in this holiday season especially, for your eyes to begin to be open and for you to begin to accept the things of the Spirit. And you know what? Some of you might say, well, we've been doing Halloween for years. I can't just put a a stop to it. Why can't you? Yes, you can. In my house, I I do not make any bones about Halloween. I tell them right up, straight up. I, I don't agree with Halloween. You can do the same thing. There's there's certain things about life that you can make a stand for God. If you haven't been doing it before, you can do it now. You can do it today. Make the change. It's called repentance. Repentance is a 180 degree turn from what you were doing. If you were doing something wrong yesterday, if you were accepting the flesh yesterday and you repent today, you can be leading the life for Christ and obeying what God has to say. Well, this is all the time we have for today's broadcast. I look forward to you being with us tomorrow. Until then, I pray you receive His gospel power today. My life was flying by. I always wondered why. 
was so empty deep within But then you came to me And let my spirit see And you forgave me of my sin I ran with all my heart and soul 